What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Not Your Typical Church podcast, a place where doubters, heretics, and dissenters can have realistic discussions about religion, culture, and the future of this thing called church. You might remember our very first episode on the podcast was about sex, and I had uh, as a guest the Reverend Jillian Hankamer come on, and we talked about that. We uh, have had discussions since then, including my colleague from uh, 4th Street, uh, Daniel Wilt, uh, following that podcast about what do we do with porn? How do we understand it as Christians? How do we approach it as religious leaders? How do we approach it? So we thought we would sit down, uh, no script, no questions, just have a uh, free and open conversation about this topic um, and just see where it goes. So this will be our first episode like this. Um, so it should be uh, it should be pretty fun. So uh, first of all, welcome to Daniel and Jillian. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. So porn. How should we how should we start this off? Daniel, go. <laughs> um, I think porn is a pervasive topic in our culture. Everybody uses porn to some degree, uh, whether it's going onto a website or for me, it was finding my stepdad's magazine uh, or looking through the naughty section at the magazine section at the gas station or... Do they uh, still have those? Oh, yeah. Okay. But they put like black covers over top of yeah, them so that they're not easily seen. Um, so all of those things. Uh, and, and then it seeps into TV. You know, Game of Thrones was... Not a great hit its first season until all of a sudden all the sex was found in it. And then all of a sudden, if you kept watching, sex went away in Game of Thrones. And it was more of, let's tell the story, not, hey, here's this prostitute's vagina. Because, um, yeah. yeah, sorry, that was Rose uh, in case anybody... <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, and, and I just think it's a topic that we need to be more open and honest about and address because everyone... Uh, a statistic I read from Pew Forum said that 70% of people, 70% of married adults regularly use porn. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know what their definition of regularly is, but um, it's something that people keep coming back to. And uh, a lot of people are, some would say dealing with it. I would probably say dealing with it. Others are just saying using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of differentiating what those two things could mean for our culture. Well, speaking of definitions, I mean, how do we, I mean, that's a good place to start, right? How do we mm-hmm. define this? I mean, we talk about Game of Thrones. I mean, a lot of people would not put that in the category of porn, yeah. right? I mean... I wouldn't, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so let's let's take that as our starting point. I mean, how do we want to, if we're going to proceed and talk about porn, we should define that first, right? I mean, yeah. how do we want to, uh, how do we want to think about it? Well, I know when I was a kid, um, my mom defined... Um, you guys remember those Abercrombie and Fitch catalogs? No, you're younger mm-hmm. than me, but do you remember them? Yeah. yeah. My mom considered those softcore porn, mm-hmm. and mm. like called the company, got somebody on the phone, and yelled at them for sending her 12 year old daughter softcore porn because we hadn't like signed up. We couldn't afford Abercrombie and Fitch, um, so we ha- we had no idea how we'd gotten this catalog. For her, that was softcore porn. She was also, you know, in mama bear mode, yeah. um, so that's part of it. And looking back now, I don't know that she was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not. Would not have been my first definition. For the for those of our listeners who have not uh, experienced the Abbey and Crombie Fitch catalogs, yes. So explain. So what what was her reasoning for? I think it was it, it was a lot of butt crack from what I remember because yeah. I didn't get to look at it very long. Right. She took it away pretty quick. Um, I remember there being lots of lots of like bare butts and or at least butt crack and male male friends. Yeah. Um, I don't know if if that's what did it. I don't know if it was just that like they were hanging all over each other. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know what it was for her. Mm-hmm. But I just remember that really being my first encounter with with somebody calling something pornography. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it would have. It probably would have bothered her just as much if it was women. Yeah. But for me, I guess as a twelve year old, what stuck out was that it was male behind. Right. As a, as a straight woman. Um, so I'd have to ask her. I just remember that that being that first instance of, oh, oh, porn. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'd ever thought about it before. Yeah. Yeah. 
Where, um, for me, like I used Game of Thrones. I watched Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to find out later, I'm not a fan of porn. Mm-hmm. So I definitely would not consider like Game of Thrones or sex scenes in movies yeah. porn. Yeah. I-, I would say, for me, porn is um, a tool that people use to stimulate themselves sexually. Yeah. Um, so if you use, so for me, Game of Thrones is not porn. But I would say for maybe a 12-year-old or even a 30-year-old, watching porn might sexually stimulate them and be used for whatever personal enjoyment they may want. Mm-hmm. Uh, where for me, it's, oh, okay, this is just what they're using to sell a TV show and tell a story. Right. Let's get over that. Um, so if, if that's our definition, something like a comic book could be porn. Could be. Is or even it? something like, I mean, if a, if a young kid... You know, sees Game of Thrones, right? I mean, like, that may be at the level of porn for somebody yeah. who's young and, and has not seen something like hardcore porn, right? Yep. I mean, so yeah, that, that's, that turns into a slippery... It is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it comes back to the, the bigger question of one of the damages of porn, I feel, is that it's the over-sexualization of our culture. Mm-hmm. Because it's... if. Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, the shirtless men standing outside spritzing you in the face with cologne, <laughs> the, the women hanging over top of shirtless men on scenic beach scenes, uh, the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. right. all of these things. And uh, Victoria's Secret, uh, just right there in the middle of the mall, you mm-hmm. know, three-year-old kids walking around just like giggling, staring <laughs> at uh, this angel. Is that what they're called? Yes. Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret angels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just have this where... That wasn't a big thing until we started to see more of a rise of, you know, sexualization in our culture. And some of that's healthy. I think we need to be willing... I would say a lot of it's healthy for women, especially. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. We need to be willing to talk about sex and and approach that and be more open and honest about it. But I think some of that's also more dangerous because we... Some of it can be dangerous because we normalize sex uh, to where then people, you know, it's kind of like your next fix. Game mm-hmm. of Thrones isn't doing it for me anymore, so I have to look for hardcore porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people have this built-up expectation of, oh, what I'm watching here on insert porn site is what I'm going to get whenever I'm married. Which now I'm not married, so you two can speak more to this. Uh, what happens in porn is that what happens in the bedroom? Uh, I'm assuming probably not all I think the it time. Depends on your marriage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just think it, it can create an unhealthy sexual expectation. But we should also say there are a lot of steps in between, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there is a lot of gray in there. Yeah. And that's what makes us, I think, so incredibly difficult, yeah. is this is such a complex situation. Because I I think I'm the one that started this conversation. Um, I was reading Nadia Boltzweber's book, and... Her new one, Shameless. Her new one, Shameless. Shameless. Right. Shameless. And she has this whole chapter, and it's really beautifully done. And those people who have just taken that one section about pornography out of it miss the point of the chapter. I yeah. mean, big surprise. Um, her, From my understanding of what she's saying, it's this overall conversation about um, pleasure and a lack of shame and the fact that we shame people mm. far too easily and far too much, especially the church. Um, and that porn can be a tool. Like you and I have talked about, mm-hmm. JT. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in a marriage, that's a helpful thing. Or a committed relationship mm-hmm. of any kind. You're both aware of it, and you're both comfortable with it. And it isn't something you abuse. Mm-hmm. It's something you use to have pleasure with each other. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel like that's a shade of gray in this conversation um, that we can't overlook. And I also really feel like and I can't speak for LGBTQ people, I'm not part of that community, but for women, we have for so long not been able to be sexual creatures in the same way that men can. Mm-hmm. That has both positives and negatives when we talk about porn. Um, but I am very much in the mindset of if it helps a woman feel um, like a more sexual being and it's a positive in her life, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I just you know as mm-hmm. we talk, there's so many shades of gray in yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, and we had before we started recording, we were talking about this fight the new drug uh, organization, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. um, and that aspect alone, right? For those for those that may not be familiar, fight the new drug is this organization that 
looks at porn's addictive nature, sure. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean that, that that's just an open question, and uh, I'm sure, I mean, it would require more than just a conversation, a philosophical conversation about it. But is it possible to engage in um, in watching porn? And I mean, it's a, it is it is it similar to like they say a drug in that you can't do it without getting hooked onto it, right? I mean, like, the is is there. Is everybody affected by that addictive aspect of it mm. to where even on for some people that may be a very short period that that explodes and some people it may be a long-term thing right yeah. but um, yeah, I mean that that's just that's a question too is if it does have this addictive nature I mean is that destructive in and of itself is that a reason to do away with it the consumption of it mm. altogether I, I can't speak to the brain chemistry. I don't know. Yeah. And that's part of this is that I, I don't know as far yeah. as brain chemistry, what it does. Yeah. Um, is it, you know, like sugar that it activates some part of your brain and that's mm-hmm. why we like it. Is it dopamine? Yeah. The sugar produces. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what porn does in our brains. Yeah. Um, but I would say, no, I don't necessarily think it's addictive for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's a blanket statement. I don't know that it's at all appropriate or accurate yeah um but can it be of course it can yeah it can absolutely be addictive and really destructive mm-hmm. and that's scary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and i mean even netflix can be addictive like sure. we feel like we have to yeah. and, and or even watching that next episode uh can be but i, I think it comes back to so what are you consuming is it beneficial to you yeah. mm-hmm. uh, or is it not because Watching porn, from from what I remember of the days that I watched porn, uh, it wasn't you just opened up a porn site, found the video, and we're good to go. <laughs> it's you sat there and you watched videos, and you're like, nah, not this one, no, nope, not that one, nah, not this one. And then all of a sudden you found the one, and you're like, here I am. <laughs> um, and so, but like... All of a sudden, like thirty minutes, an hour could have passed by, and you're like, "Oh my god, what am I? What have I done with my time? That this is what I've done." And and I also think, especially for so like, I think of kids and youth, uh, and and just in high school and junior high who've experienced porn at such a young age, yeah. um, and you sit there and you think they're being mastered by it. Uh, because they can't go to sleep until they see it. They wake up, they hang out with their friends, and they watch it. They're like, and you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. What do you mean you watch porn with your friends? What do you mean this is some, that's a you do that privately? <laughs> this is uh, and that comes back to the shame culture yeah. of like, oh, I just don't think we should be watching this as a communal group of people. <laughs> um, but for some, it becomes so entrenched into who they are and what they are about exploring and and that it again for me I think it becomes so normalized that then all of a sudden they wrestle with intimacy issues and with expectations of relationships to where yeah I agree it's probably not addictive for all people but I think especially with our younger kids getting smartphones because we were of that age to where we didn't have cell phones yeah. until I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a senior in high school mm-hmm. and it was a flip phone that you couldn't look at porn yeah. uh, like and so but now kids have iPhones and MacBooks and iPads and they can get around proxies in school and I, Jillian was sharing a story of a kid watching porn in the computer lab at college right. and, and and so like that's you know people are being raised with this and this is just Part of, and my fear is, what does that look like for intimacy mm-hmm. um, for, especially because our three churches have a youth group joined up. Yeah. Uh, what do we do whenever our junior highs are becoming high schoolers or even right now? Because the average age of kids looking at porn is 13 or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are they, whenever they start getting into dating relationships and sexual yeah. relationships, it's, I, I'm just terrified of <laughs> like, don't bring those expectations of porn into your relationship mm-hmm. and don't bring it. And so, yeah, I would say for us as adults, we can kind of see it with a clearer view, but my fear is definitely for the younger, um, what it could be. Yeah. And we, and something that I had come across at some point, um, some interview with some whoever, but, um, we uh, talked about, you know, porn has become so, 
I don't want to say exhaustive, but it's become so vast in terms of its, uh, in terms of its interests. Right? I mean, you have you have niche porn, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have torture porn, and you have you know like, um, and I know that's one of the things because I've looked at this fight the new drug um, uh, organization before, and that's one of their things, right? Is that like, just like in addiction, you need more and more. You know, you can't. You start off. You start off with like you know just plain vanilla, you know two people having sex, and then you need something harder, right? To to get to yeah. get that fix on, you know. So so. But is that always yeah. the way it goes, though? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't and, know. And that's my and that's my question. And and I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Teenagers. I did youth ministry for five years, and the mm-hmm. idea of any of them watching porn is just breaks my heart. But at the same time. If that was a way for them to explore their sexuality, that they could masturbate in the privacy of their own home, or even with a friend, it's kind of weird, but whatever. Not the masturbation, but the watching <laughs> porn. Yeah, or a group of friends, hey, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how that could be so, so, so very, very bad, and so much peer pressure around it, and mm-hmm. I'm not advocating for that in the slightest. But, and I'm also not a parent, so that might make me feel differently. But if my, I had a 15-year-old in... She got curious and watched it and went, oh, and then either was scared of it or found it interesting. I would hope as a parent, I could, she would come to me and maybe she wouldn't. And we could have a conversation and she could say this, I looked this up. It was really weird. Can we talk about it? Um, Or if she enjoyed it and it was something she did every once in a while. I don't know that I would really have a problem with that if it was in every once in a while. Now, the addiction thing is, is another right. conversation, yeah. but I guess I'm, I'm just not as scared of teenagers seeing that stuff. Well, because I think they're going to see it anyway. And I think our responsibility is more how do we help them in that process? Mm-hmm. And how do we teach them to have enough self-respect mm-hmm. and respect for each other? Yeah. Um, because I don't think we can stop them. No, and and I think whenever I say I'm fearful of that is is I know they're looking at it. I know they will because at eighty three percent of teenage males are looking at porn, and I think it's sixty four percent of teenage girls are looking at porn weekly, if not more often. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you think, I know they're doing this. The thing, and, and this is this goes into all things, especially whenever we begin to talk about faith. Mm-hmm. You can do all things. Sure. Do not be mastered by any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm more concerned about that addiction side. And I, I also think of, you know, porn being used for sexual exploration is is one topic in and of itself that we could spend hours upon hours. Yeah, sure. Um, but then also, what if, what if we encouraged more sexual exploration of using your mind? Um, like having that imagination of like, hey, you can masturbate without having porn. Like that's a thing that exists. Uh <laughs> But like, and also, but, and again, that comes back to the conversation that we all, I think, agree on is that we just need to be more open and honest as a society and Mm -hmm. remove the shame, the stigma about, oh, you look at porn. Okay. Well, so do, so did I, or so do I, Mm -hmm. um, depending on who you are and let's talk about that and, Mm -hmm. and, and why it's a normal part of growing up, especially in a technological age where, you know, we did a, a study over at St. Paul's, um, which is the church I pastor, uh, and we talked about human sexuality. And one of the topics, because it's big in the United Methodist Church, is LGBTQ. Uh, but then we also talked about sexual ethics beyond just this. And they were talking about porn and all. And 70% of married people look at porn regularly. So we as pastors all have to be aware of... of our congregations are probably looking at porn Mm -hmm. on a regular. And I'm, my bigger question is how many of their partners know? Mm -hmm. Um, because then, then there's a shame based reality there Mm -hmm. to where I watch it in secret because my wife will get upset or my husband won't like that. Or, you know, my partner is just not into that. And well, okay, but you're in a relationship, a committed, let's be honest and talk. Um, and that's the thing is that we, hide in a dark room at two o'clock in the morning watching it and and I'm sorry, I'm looking at most searched for terms of two thousand eighteen and porn and I, I I have questions. Uh, <laughs> but that's for a different a different episode. I'm not so sure it is. There's Fortnite porn. 
Wow. Oh. So, and it's popular. Yeah, yeah it rose 17,323 positions in 2018. Uh, and there was... Wow, I think coming was, into the top <laughs> yeah, bracket, yeah. not even not even on the chart, it's man. Like, it's like number... How many llamas are involved? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Overwatch. Trans. Um, oh, yeah. trans. Mm, public. Public porn. What is it? Hentai. That was the question I had. That's I don't know. What cartoons. Hentai. Yeah, cartoon. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You're sorry. I, okay. Honest to God, I don't know why I know that, yeah, yeah. but I know this that is, I do. We're yeah. not going to bring up all the terms that some of us know. And <laughs> don't this know. is a safe space. Um, no shame here. This is being recorded for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, Fortnite. That's a... Yeah, that's... But I think there was a quote that I was reading that if it exists, there's a porn of it. Sure. Uh, and that... Because that's another thing. How many kids are watching the Avengers? And if there's Avengers porn, I'm guessing there probably is. Um, how many kids are going from Avengers <laughs> to Avengers porn? Uh, because they think, or Fortnite. How many people are watching Fortnite? I, d- I don't really want to know how many people are watching Fortnite porn. Uh, that's just Mm-mm. a statistic that, again. Or like Overwatch? I don't know. What is Overwatch what is, is a video game. It, oh, and, and it's, okay. Yeah. So, again, another. Cartoon. Cartoon based. Yeah, there is a cartoon video game. Is that like Scooby Doo? Is there like Scooby Doo porn? I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. Sorry. I don't know why I'm here. I'm very ignorant of, <laughs> of, of, of porn. But every 60 seconds, more than 207,000 videos are being watched. Wow. wow. That equates to 12,420,000 videos an hour. What? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, um, so yeah, I mean, I think we all agree, like, there's some aspect that's beneficial, right? Whether it's in, within relationship dynamics or individually for single people or whatever. Um, but there is, I mean, I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I'm going to. But in the, you know, the broader, uh, you know, porn culture, right, it's mostly male-dominated, Right, it's um, it's geared toward uh, you know, men using women to have an ejaculate. Right, like it's you know, there's it's 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 like it's it's objectifying right in a lot of ways of women. Sure. Um, so especially when we talk about young people, right? I mean, how is this shaping you know a thirteen, fourteen year old kid who's maybe you know has his first girlfriend or whatever, you know, like, um, you know, one part is expectations. One is, you know, how we're shaping not only young people, but, you know, people, men of all ages, how we view women in mm-hmm. general, you know, it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's one aspect that worries me is that, I mean, we, Naughty Bolts Weber has, and you can speak to this, Jillian, about the, she talks kind of about this, this ethically source, you know, if we could ethically source porn, right? Um, you know, but even if we knew it was being produced by consensual adults and it was very uh, respect, you know, it does it aid into this objectifying view? Mm. You know, I, I just don't know. Mm. Ethically, that doesn't mean it's going to actually... I don't think it's going to fulfill what it's setting out to do. Now, one of the things that we should celebrate in ethically sourced porn is that, you know, men and women are being treated equally in this, that they're, you know, it's a it's a living wage that they're not being... Because a lot of porn stars are actually forced into that yeah. uh, in one way or another, and so it's a form of sexual slavery, and yeah. we have to deal with that. Um, and the one... But here's the one thing that I think is the biggest caveat. Right now, half of the internet website is porn, and most of it's free. Mm. Um, where right, the quote that I hear right here on the how to watch porn ethically, good porn consumers pay for their porn. I do not think uh, <laughs> if there's ethically sourced porn yeah. and free porn that people are going to go to the ethically sourced porn yeah, if if Pornhub is offering well people are of not videos. choosing ethically sourced products of any kind oh yeah if the stuff at the local grocery store is cheaper mm-hmm. like ethically sourced paper towels mm-hmm. that are not made from trees but I can go out to Wangers which is a discount grocery store outside of town 
I got to roll a bounty for a dollar. Mm, come on, man. You know? Yeah. It's a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally get yeah. your point. I get what you're saying. But I think that something ethical versus something that's accessible and less expensive or even free, mm-hmm. we're struggling with that all over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think we always have. Yeah. And, uh, and I think you have a point, Daniel, that, I mean, yeah, we can, this can be produced ethically but i mean going to the the idea of shame right i mean mm-hmm. a a spouse watching it in secret because they don't want their spouse to find out i mean if they're consuming ethically sourced porn but they're not consuming it in an ethical way mm-hmm. in that they're hiding it from their spouse and it's the shame i mean um yeah i mean it, it, that, that seems like a very slippery slope right like use, using the word ethical is so loaded mm-hmm. in that term um when it really only describes one side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the sourcing of it. And and I would even say, so, like, if good porn users, good porn consumers, whatever that may mean, <laughs> um, if they're paying for it, I think of, like, what does that mean in terms of job? Uh, so, like, for me to be a pastor going through the ordination process, they do a credit check on me mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm not in any embarrassing debt. Yeah. But it's an in-depth credit check. I don't know if they're looking at purchases. I don't know if they're looking at any of that. I just sign on the dotted line and say, so what if I was a good porn consumer and paid for porn and all of a sudden my bishop and district superintendent see, oh, Daniel has a subscription to Pornhub. I think we should probably sit down and have a chat with that. <laughs> well, and and but, that comes back to that. But some of that yeah. is the expectations people have for their clergy. Yes. Which is a different conversation because we all know those expectations are not always reasonable. Yes, they're very But I take your point. No, yeah, they're, I very yeah. much take your point. And, I mean, there are these, expect, these cultural unspoken expectations. And then, at least in the Methodist Church, right? I mean, in our book of resolutions, I mean, the UMC is anti-porn. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so for us, it is like yeah. built into our and polity. Let, and let me yeah. say very clearly, my church is not pro porn. Yeah. I'm not here to make that argument. <laughs> Baptist. Yeah. 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 Well, right. Yeah. No. Oh gosh. Baptist pro porn. Okay. Yeah. That is not at all my argument, yeah. and I'm not even sure that I am pro porn either. I just find the conversation around whether or not it could be ethically sourced mm-hmm. interesting. Oh yeah. In that, I think that might help people. Mm-hmm. feel less shame about it mm-hmm. yeah and to me that's the ultimate goal is to how do we break down the shame how do we yeah. give people more agency which is a weird word to use as we talk about pornography mm-hmm. um how do we help them love their bodies in mm-hmm. a way that it doesn't often happen especially for women but yeah. i would also i think we could probably again even though we're not part of the community make that argument for trans folks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or for people of color, or even for um, gay or lesbian people, mm-hmm. that's more what I'm interested in. Um, I honestly don't know. I do not know if it can be ethically sourced, but I think it's yeah. a really, it's a complicated conversation, but it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and if, and if porn is a seventy-four billion dollar industry worldwide, did right. you write down all these statistics before I, you came? Just so everybody knows, I have a MacBook open in front of me <laughs> with with nothing but facts. Uh, um, so it's seventy-four billion dollars worldwide. Seventy-four billion billion worldwide. Yes, wow. uh, and I believe twelve billion of it was just from the United States. Uh, Alone and so like that's disappointing. Yes, uh, and so we'll talk about that at another uh, venture. Uh, four hours into this podcast, we will get to one of the um, but like just if if it is such a large industry, we should be having the conversation of how can we make it more ethical, yep. um, or how can we make it better for our for the society and the consumers of porn, uh, so that. Those who may struggle with addictive tendencies aren't aren't being mastered by this, and mm-hmm. um, and then also what are the resources um, that are out there? So like, fight the new drug has programs, and, and it's, I think one of it's like a journal, yeah. just a you know a journal that you can work through that just kind of says like, hey, we know that you will watch porn during this this month of you trying to give up porn. Talk about why you want to watch porn and talk about like – and so just so that we have a better understanding of why we're watching porn, why we're doing uh, all of these things because, you know, it's not just scratching an itch. 
right. it's it's an exploration. It's it's more in depth. We're we're investing our mind and our body and and I would say soul uh, into this into this thing because it it's all encompassing and and I think it's also all damaging mm-hmm. uh, if we misuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with Jillian's main point is we have to remove the shame from this to where it's a taboo subject that we can't talk about. Um, because the next generation and our current generation needs to talk about this. Yeah. Um, if not, it's going to overtake us. Well, and it's not like porn is new. Mm-mm. Right. Porn has existed, you know, since cave people were scratching things on walls. So, um, certainly how we come at it now. Cave porn. <laughs> yeah, hashtag cave porn. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. certainly the access, I think the accessibility of it now makes it so much more um, ubiquitous in mm-hmm. really, really, really scary ways. But this isn't a new issue. Yeah. Which is part of my frustration is porn has been around forever. Why do we still hold so much negativity about it in the church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is it because we're just that bad at talking about sex? And I think that I think that we are. Mm-hmm. I think we're just that bad at talking about sex. Um, so it's one piece of a much larger conversation. But but I, I just I do find it fascinating that. This has been around forever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we still don't have the language to talk about it. Yeah. That's really sad. Well, and and that even if we... Like right now, the three of us can have an honest conversation, and I, and I, I have not been embarrassed yet um, about anything that we have said. Um, give it time. Yeah, give it time. Yeah, as we... <laughs> I mean, I'm embarrassed at some of the things people are searching for, uh, like Fortnite, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but it's... We can have this conversation, but we need to, we as individuals need to then help normalize that conversation, especially as pastors. Mm -hmm. Like we need to be on that charge of, from the pulpit even, from small group, Sunday school, Bible study, um, like just talking about or or making it part of the conversation. So our youth group, that is uh, our four churches, there's four churches that are part of this youth group. Um, One of the things we're doing this school year is... Every month we're talking about sex and relationships at least once in that month. Um, one, so that we're not inundating them with all of this information uh, because then they're going to get bored of it uh, and drown us out. But then so that it just becomes part of our routine habit of talking yep. about right. sex and relationships and, and what what this aspect of, human, uh, of humanity that we often get too ashamed to talk about. Um, and a quick correction, it's a $97 billion industry, not $74. Yeah. <laughs> so That's worse. Add a, damper, a dampening spirit onto this. Well, let's bring it in. I mean, so <clears throat> you just mentioned it. I mean, we're, so we're all pastors. We're all pastors at Christian churches. Mm-hmm. I mean, in mainline churches, two Methodists and an American Baptist church. So right, let's bring this a little closer to home, right? I mean... One, I mean, we all probably agree that the church is bad at talking about this, mm-hmm. that it's, we've not touched it for a long time. We've shrouded it in shame for a long time. Um, and I mean, part, part of it, right, is we, we take these Bible verses, you know, like we, and we just, you know, Jesus has this line about if you look upon a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery, right? Um, you know, you get to keep the marriage bed, uh, you know, what, um, undefiled, undefiled, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. so if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, rip it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the things that when I, in my, when I was in, uh, you know, the, in evangelical church, right. And Daniel's kind of our resident evangelical here. Um, I mean, like, these were the things that, I mean, this was a regular thing we talked about, and these were the things that were thrown out as to, here's why we don't watch porn. Just to keep you in line. Here's why, yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, so, um, you guys, I mean, you guys are, uh, on two different... Us people. Excuse me. I'm not offended. (laughs) Excuse me. You people, you people, <laughs> yeah, you people. Um, <laughs> both of you are, uh, have somewhat different ideas about this and about the pros and cons of porn. So, I mean, how would you address that to your, to your parishioners? I mean, who would bring, you know, say they, say some folks from first Baptist listen to this and they come to you and say, I have some questions. I mean, the Bible says this, 
you know. Yeah. Um, Not I, to put you on the spot. I mean, right, sure, yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I would say, first of all, I think my approach is always going to be different than Daniel's because I'm female. Sure. Um, and I think women approach, at, at least to an extent, and it's a big generalization I want to be careful about, I think women approach sexuality differently because we get very different messages as, mm-hmm. as children, especially mm-hmm. about what is allowed and what isn't allowed. Yeah. And we've seen some really horrible um, negative examples of that through the Me Too movement mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff of even now how teenagers and young women are treated, women generally are treated when they're assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my feelings about this are always going to be different than Daniel's. Mm-hmm. I also did not grow up evangelical in the slightest. I grew up in a very progressive, um, very... Um, socially active congregation and we didn't like talk about sex all the time um but when it came up it wasn't taboo Mm -hmm. so i just think just as we talked about in the last podcast just the way i was raised with the parents i was raised with it was cool it was i mean let's talk about it let's have the conversation like we're doing with the youth group Mm -hmm. you know get the giggles out and then let's actually have a conversation Mm -hmm. so i think my approach is always just at at the foundational level going to be different yeah if a church member came to me and said, here's this verse, I think my first response would be, what do the other verses around it say? Mm-hmm. Let's get the context. Um, you know, because if you take one verse from Jesus, you can let it, you can use it to prove anything yeah. as people have done over the centuries. Um, and I would say, you know, we got to wrestle with it. And mm-hmm. for you, here's what that says. For me, I have a different interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think either one of those is necessarily wrong, but how do we find common ground on it? Mm-hmm. You know, without having a specific scripture reference, sure. it's hard for me to say yes or no. Right, yeah. I'm always going to want them to have a larger awareness of what the story is about. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus didn't talk about porn. Right. He talked about a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to narrow it down to here's what Jesus said about porn, it's like what Jesus said about gay people. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't talk about gay people. Yeah. So we have to draw a wider picture to have any kind of concept of what Christ has to say to us about very modern issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for me, I would tell them to cut off their hand. Uh, <laughs> no, I, yeah, uh, is here's, it, a, here's a meat cleaver. Yeah, Go is, get it done. It, I'll watch while you do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, is I, I think have that conversation like well, one, whenever a, a church person comes to me and they say, well, here's this verse, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, they're coming in a very attacking mode, uh, uh, and and that's one of those. I'm not, I'm not going to be attacked, uh, and so I'm not. No, we'll, I'm going to shut that conversation down real quick, yeah. and we'll reschedule a meeting where <laughs> we'll sit down and talk about it later. Because I, whenever you're coming at me as an adversary trying to say, hey, you said this on that podcast, and now I want, I want to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Sure, I probably have said wrong things that I will recount two years later and mm-hmm. say that I, I it keeps me up at night that I said that on that podcast. Um, but for me, it would I, I agree with Jillian in broader context. What does the passage say? But for me, it would also be why do you why is this a topic that's so important to you? Mm-hmm. Because I find the people who are most adamant. Uh, especially in the evangelical world, the yeah. people who are most adamant that porn is evil and terrible and vile are people who secretly wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a very big generalization, yeah. but typically it's either they wrestle with it or someone very close to them wrestles with yeah. it. And so it, and it's a very shameful thing in their eyes. And so to me, it would be that removal of shame and understanding that, you know, I was raised, I was raised Roman Catholic, meaning that we never went to church. Uh, that's just what we did not. Um, and, and my mom was very open. My mom, you know, in my young time was divorcing my dad, remarrying her third husband, Mm -hmm. uh, not remarried, being married to her third husband. Uh, and we were very open and honest. I had a brother who was 11 years older than me, a brother who was seven years older than me. I remember watching that, uh, stumbling upon one of them trying to loan an image on dial-up internet on our gateway computer. Oh, wow. uh, and it was like midnight, and I was trying to get a drink of water. And, and the shame he felt, like the yeah. the shock, but like the 
cats and then finding my my step. And so I would walk them through like my understanding of porn and, and my journey of, you know, there was a time in high school that I, I went to porn way too frequently mm-hmm. and, and was being mastered by it yeah. and, and being controlled to where it's like, well, I have to, I have to get home from school and do this. And I, before my parents get home and, uh, cause we only had one computer. Yeah. It would be weird if my mom was sitting in the room. <laughs> um, and so like going through all of those things and just trying to be, as open and honest about like the culture we live in and the world we live in is porn's there and we have to we have to address it but we shouldn't be cutting off people's hands or plucking out their eyes because again Jesus wasn't being literal in that moment yeah. uh, he was just talking and again I think Jesus in my understanding was definitely talking about the understanding of we are set free mm-hmm. uh, and that's what Jesus came to do but we're not to be mastered by the things that we were set free from mm-hmm. um, and so. If you want to use porn, uh, I'm not going to say do it because ethically I feel a, a monster inside of me wanting to lurch forward. Um, but I would say don't be mastered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that would be kind of the framing of my conversation with yeah. that person. Yeah. And I, I have the same kind of, and it, I also grew up Catholic, <clears throat> spent time in the evangelical church uh, in high school and college. And so I have that same kind of gut reality. I, I didn't grow up in the same kind of context as you, Julian, where, you know, it was all very, I mean, if I would have brought it up and asked my parents, I mean, they would, they would have talked to me honestly about it. It wasn't shame. It was shameful at home, but it was something that was just not talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just something that was, um, you know, it just wasn't a part of our regular conversation and going, you know, in the Catholic church and the evangelical church. Um, it was part of the conversation, but it was always negative, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so I have that same kind of knee-jerk reaction um, uh, against porn. And for me, it's not so much the shame, although I, re- I realize that. I realize that that's an aspect of it that is problematic. But for me, it's the, you know, um, yeah, how many of these women are being forced into this, mm. right? How many being, you know, how how is this leading into sex trafficking? Um, you know, how is this... Um, you know, aiding in the uh, ever-continual fetishization of young women and, um, you know, particularly women of color or women of certain descents and these kinds of things. Um, at least for me, that's that's my, um, you know, aside from kind of the male-dominated uh, industry itself, that's mm-hmm. my, uh, the the thing that I really wrestle with with this is, uh, the larger societal impact of porn and the porn industry, yeah. um, both on individuals and um, at a societal level. Do you guys ever? I mean, is that is am I alone in that? Like, uh, you may you obviously probably care that those things oh, are, sure. but is that um, you know that's my biggest issue with this, right? And that's my biggest thing. From if we can do the ethically source porn, that's fine, and we have problems on the other side but with the industry today like I don't know um, you know kind of like Dana said I don't know that I would ever say yeah go do it mm. right like you know I realize that it's happening but um, I don't know that I could ever say uh, yeah it's, I'm totally fine with it mm. because of these other social issues that feed into it well, and, and I would even say mine is definitely more because everything hits closer to home. The reason I don't is just because I, I don't want to be controlled by anything. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, porn for me is not a thing that I, at least now, I don't need to keep going back to. Uh, for mm-hmm. a time, it was something I desperately needed um, or felt I needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was raised in a home where my mom, this was her sex advice, you can't be anybody else's best friend until you're your own. So know what you like before you go after others. And I said, okay. <laughs> I was seven uh, at that time because wow. my other brother was 14 and my wow. other brother was yeah. 18. And so we're all having the talk together. And yes. um, so like porn was, uh, masturbation and porn was a very normal thing uh, for us. And it wasn't until my mom heard a sermon in a United Methodist church that said, hey, like porn is not something we should be doing. She came to me and like cried. She was like, I am so sorry. <laughs> I incurred. And I was like, Mom, you're fine. Like, you just did what some mothers do. Other mothers don't. Um, But, like, for me, it's still that. I don't want to be mastered. But as I've continued into this life of of not using porn Mm -hmm. is coming up with other reasons why I should never return. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that goes into the larger themes of sex trafficking and sex slavery. And, and that's, and again, that's for me, but I, I think, yeah, it, if people can't be mastered by it, then deal with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, something's niggling at me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree with you about women because that's obviously a huge issue in this conversation. Sure. Is what does this do to women? What does this do to how we view women and our expectations of women, even men and how men are supposed to perform gets mm-hmm. affected? Yeah. At the same time, our regular advertising that we allow on our TVs and our magazines and in print media of any kind also distorts what we think about women. Oh, yeah. So it's not like that isn't already happening. That doesn't make porn okay. Mm -hmm. But I would say it's maybe even potentially more damaging for a young girl, because I remember as a teenager wanting to, like at 12, wanting to read 17, because that was really cool. (laughs) It's 17, it's older. And then you get to be 17 and it's, you don't read that magazine anymore. Um, I think those... And they're getting better, mm-hmm. but those sorts of publications do just as much damage, if not, well, I won't say more, but I think they can they can potentially do just as much damage, oh, yeah. especially to self-image, if mm-hmm. we're talking about mm-hmm. a self-image, mm-hmm. as pornography can, yeah. if it's not ingested in the right way. There was this recent, um, oh, I forget what it's called, but it's a Weight Watchers program, and I'm a Weight Watchers customer, I'm rethinking that now. It's for children oh. to talk about what they're eating. Um, and I think I think they've taken it down. I don't remember. Um, but it was like red light for good food, yellow light for stuff you really shouldn't eat too much of, and, and um, uh, or sorry, green light for good food, yellow light. It, it was like a, a traffic light system. Yeah. Um, and people have just been uh, fairly criticizing it left, right, and center because it's basically teaching kids how to have an eating disorder mm-hmm. when they're seven. Yeah. So if we're talking about damaging things, if we're talking about how we look at ourselves, I would say, of course, porn can do that. Mm-hmm. But there are so many other things we need to fix Yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because I got so many negative, and still to this day, I get so many negative messages as a woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my 30s, and I'm still trying to figure out how to have a positive body image. Um, and I don't know how that is for men. I would assume there's some of that that happens. Um, but I think there's, there's other things you got to fix as well if we're really going to have a conversation about, well, porn really destroys women. Mm-hmm. It does, sure. Mm-hmm. But so does a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And probably Seventeen Magazine, I would assume, probably, you know, being you know, sarcastic here, probably doesn't lead to a lot of sex trafficking. <laughs> so that is a very specific issue. Sure. Yeah. But... If what we're talking about is how women view themselves and how men view women, there's a whole bunch of other stuff yeah. first in my mind. Oh, yeah. Well, and I would even say maybe not maybe not first, mm-hmm. but yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Um, True. So like yeah. if we're tackling porn, it's a good edit. Um, we, need to, we need to be tackling all marketing. And, and, and that's honestly one of the – you bring up how magazines, print media, commercials, TV shows. Like I don't watch – I don't have cable. Um, I have Netflix, uh, and yes, Netflix can still perpetuate a lot of those things. Um, but it's I don't want to watch people brand things for me, and I don't. I, I use ad blocker um, on my computer because I don't want to see ads, and I don't want those things to pop up. And not because I think me seeing a lady in lingerie is going to say, "Whoa, <laughs> now everybody I look at's in lingerie," <laughs> um, but instead, it's it's. I think repetition of that yeah, can begin to sit there and say, oh, well, Julian, you're a colleague, and we're going to sit in a meeting, we're going to do all this. I wonder what she looks like in, in lingerie. I never want that to be a thing that pops into the into my mind or into the conversation. Yeah. Uh, because that's just, yeah, I, I think that ruins my view of people. Because um, I don't want to picture what JT looks like in lingerie. Yes, you do. Uh, okay, maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, but yeah, and so I just want to make sure that we all, for me, it's always about something that I'm trying, that in this fight, it's being consistent mm-hmm. across the board. Sure. And I think that's the conversation with porn can very much become inconsistent because we're also not tackling how Procter and Gamble advertises or how a- Abercrombie and Fitch still advertises yeah. um, several years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being very, very intentional in, about all that. Mm-hmm. So um, 
this is this question has popped into my mind. What do we think the with the problem um, in, in that it's so pervasive across marketing and porn or whatever is the problem this kind of hyper sexualization or is it the hyper sexualization of a ver- of a specific body type and you know and uh, uh, projecting a certain image as the uh, pinnacle of sexual design. I mean, uh, you, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying there, yeah. right? I think it's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. But I, in, in, in just my first kind of quick think about it, um, I would think it's the hypersexualization in general. Yeah. Um, you know, calling a woman a whore, a slut, and all those awful things that yeah. women, and other people, but women get called that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the body type. Mm-hmm. That has to do with how you feel about women. Yeah. And what you're being taught about women. Yeah. So I, I think absolutely it's both. Yeah. But I would think it's just the hypersexualization and object objectification mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what's what's really happening. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Cuz that that's no longer a person, that's a whore. Mhm. Yeah. And how do we treat whores? Mm-hmm. Well, and I would even say, so I, I think it can go objectifying even if it's not us viewing them as a whore. Mm-hmm. True. But yes. viewing them as, so like how many movies have we watched where the guys are trying to sneak into the girls' locker room? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, uh, all of those things going on. Uh, literally on the article I have currently pulled up on my computer, there's another article uh, talking about upskirting and how teenage boys are trying to take pictures upskirts of, of girls. Mm-hmm. Um, or I remember in high school, one of the biggest things was uh, a girl taking photos for her boyfriend that he then shared mm. uh, with all of the people. And it got around all of the school and literally neighboring schools were oh, mocking gosh. her in basketball games. Uh, and so like all of this stuff is going on and you're like, what is happening yeah. to where one, somebody feels that they can go and try and take a picture um, of somebody else and, and, and use that for their own personal pleasure or for their own personal ramifications, especially an intimate photo mm-hmm. um, is I think because we hypersexualized our culture to where we no longer can view the opposite sex or the same sex, um, whatever you are attracted to um, as you're a human. Mm-hmm. I, it's really what you can provide for me. Mm-hmm. And right now, uh, or especially in high school when hormones are flowing and your brain's not fully developed, the number one thing somebody you're attracted to can provide for you is sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's them having sex with you or you using the idea of them sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the, that's to me one of the scariest things about the hypersexualization of our culture mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that porn has porn and advertisement has all poured into. Well, and this brings up, I, when we had this conversation weeks ago, weeks and weeks ago, um, I had brought up this idea and this idea of using, right, is that um, I brought up this idea from the history of philosophy of using somebody as a means to an end mm-hmm. instead of treating them as an end in themselves, right? right? So, uh, and that's one thing that I continue to wrestle with is, could even ethically sourced porn is by nature of consuming porn, am I automatically treating that person as a means to an end and not as an end to themselves, not just as a human being, but as what the, what you can provide me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's one aspect that I really, I continue to struggle with. Well, yeah. yeah. And I think that goes back to my definition of porn is, mm-hmm why are you watching or using this? Right. So like Game of Thrones, I wouldn't classify as porn unless you're using it because you think that the people who are having sex in it can provide you with a sexual gratification. So the um, definition is really in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. That whole thing about I know porn. Who was it that said I know porn when I see it? it was yeah. Like oh, I know it when I see it. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the whole thing. I think it definitely changes based on... Because I know we probably all have friends or family who would never watch Game of Thrones mm-hmm. because of the over-sexualization inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, uh, that's good for you. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty good show. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's definitely in, in an eye of the beholder. But yeah. having that conversation, I think, will help provide common ground for all of us eventually. Mm-hmm. Does it make a difference? And I don't know the answer, really. I'm just posing the question. 
does it make a difference if the person who is providing the service, whatever that service might be, is okay with you using them as a means to an end? Because I think we could then argue, like, sex workers mm -hmm. are potentially, we're using, people are using them as a means to an end. Yeah. Should we then shame the sex worker for being willing to offer that service? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I fall on that, but I, I do wonder if it makes a difference if the person providing the service is fine with it, if it doesn't bother them at all. No, I, I, you know? no, I, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I Ethically, I don't know what that does to the conversation. I don't, and I'm not, I'm not sure either. I mean, my, my first thought, um, and I want to frame this not in, not in the language and, concept of shame but in sure. right as um but i mean my my first thought is like first of all i'm just gonna say that the problem is capitalism I'm just gonna throw <laughs> that out there um that's that's what i think the problem no, is i mean watching a stack of books on your desk all with the title marxism or um, similar i i get that yeah no yeah. i'm just uh i just think you know i think that is the reason for the hypersexualization, I think that's the, um, you know, the means to an end conversation. But, um, but when, when you were talking, Jillian, the first thing I thought about was, uh, okay, do, uh, and, and separated from the conversation about shame, should we hold the person providing a service or product accountable for, I mean, that, that's the whole, that's the, the whole product. opioid crisis, right? Is like, mm. You know, should we hold the makers of the opioids accountable for, you know, all the people that have gotten addicted and died? You know, so it's should should that conversation feed into this and in that porn ruined this marriage, right? I mean, the whatever, right? Or this relationship, or um, you know, does that impact? Is that there? Is that the problem of the person that produced? the product. Right. I mean, that's, that's yeah. one part of this conversation. Right. And, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't quite know the, the perfect right answer to that, but it is, I mean, you can see the connection. Yeah, right. right. It's an element. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I would say like for me, you know, you talk about capitalism, uh, uh, being the larger problem of it all yeah. is I can't say that we hold the user of it solely culpable or the producer of it solely culpable. Yeah. But that it has to be something of a both end because one, the producer is only producing it or allowing it to be produced because there's, there's a market for it. Right. Uh, and there's only a market for it because somebody's also producing it. Like yeah. they're like, oh, I know there will be a market as soon as I do this, there's gonna be a market for it. Yeah. Um and so that and I think that comes back to our, our who we are as people and in just yeah, I, I would say that, again, sex workers and all of that is a, a, a much larger conversation as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that there has to be a culpability of all people yeah. uh, in this because it, it is something that all people are are a part of, but, meaning producers and consumers, yeah. not, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I mean, I pose that question as a philosophical one. I mean, sure. mm -hmm. in my, I mean... Personally and politically, I mean, I'm for the legalization of sex work and the unionization of sex worker. You know, like, I, I think those things need to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if we were to, I mean, as Christians, we believe in this, like, kingdom of God thing, right? I mean, like, if we look at, you know, yeah. the end the end goal, the perfect, you know, the, the perfect uh, new Jerusalem, I mean, how does porn and sex work fit into that? And I just don't know. Mm. You know, um, I think it's it's two different conversations to say this is the world we're in. We need to make sure sex workers and porn performers are protected and are able to get, make a living wage and all those things. But it's another to ask that eschatological question of, you know, in the perfect world that we hope is someday going to come, where does where does this fit in? Mm. Right. Does it have a place? What does that place look like? I just don't know. Yeah, and the evangelical inside of me is having a hard time <laughs> thinking of the kingdom of God, the perfect world, yeah. with porn and sex workers being yeah. a, a, a very prominent part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I just wrestle with even picturing that. And I'm much less, maybe because I didn't grow up evangelical, that language doesn't really do much for me. Like, it's not mm-hmm. particularly something I worry about. What language? The kingdom of God that is to come, that sure. like Prusia thing. Because there's nothing we can do about that. Mm-hmm. We have to focus on what we can do today. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a much more practical person, and so I would not be a good philosopher. Um, (laughs) because it's like I need you to tell me how to handle it right now with the person sitting in my office so for me that's not really even a conversation that I would worry about Mm. although it's a I get what you're saying yeah I don't really and I don't mean to sound flippant I don't really care and I I don't mean that to, to sound the way that it does I'm more concerned in what do we do for the people who are hurting right now And I think, though, the eschatological question is the kingdom of God we often talk about in this far off. Yeah. But the kingdom of God, as Christ said, is here and now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if it's here and now, we're supposed to be fighting for those ideals of the future here and now. So, like, we're talking about should sex workers, you know, be unionized and all this and, and healthcare and all that. I think we should um, just to make their lives better. But then the the question of that also goes to, should we be advocating for sex work in the world? Uh, And so like, yeah, we have to, and so we have a practical approach to like, okay, we need to make their lives better now. Yeah. But once we make their lives better and once we unionize and provide healthcare and and allow, allow a regulation of that to occur, are we then moving into, oh, well, now it's there, it's done. Or, okay, no, now we have to talk about is sex work something that we want? Is porn something we want to continue right. into this? Once we get to ethically sourced porn, is it still something we want in our world, in the in the kingdom here and now? Yeah. 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 Or kingdom, whatever you want to use. Sure. Kingdom, yeah, not kingdom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it is, you know, it's... Um, it's just two different implicit understandings, right? It's mm-hmm. like we don't um, make it illegal. We, we don't make automobiles illegal because some people drove drunk and killed somebody, right? I mean, but um, we want to make things illegal that we think are inherently destructive, right? Like uh, heroin some or some of them, though. I mean, sugar is as addictive as anything else. Sure. Legal. Right. Yeah, so that, that's, you know, how, how, do we want to... That's that's one uh, just way to think, you know, talking about this eschatological question. Are these categories that we want to view as they're inherently bad and we should work toward their eradication? Or as it's a neutral thing, we need to try to police it and uh, the best we put it in the best position possible so that it hurts uh, the least amount of people and is can be a healthy productive part of society right i mean i just yeah th- those are two different approaches and i'm not really sure which one is necessarily the right one but mm. Me neither. i'm not asking a question i'm just yeah pointing so, out a problem yeah. sure yeah well, i don't feel like we solved anything was that the goal no, I just, okay. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, maybe we'll go into this podcast and I'll like have a clear idea at the end of it. And I really don't. I do think one thing we can talk about that we haven't touched on yeah. is pastorally, how do we respond? Uh-huh. That might be helpful for people Yeah. to say, and you all can agree or disagree with me, but as three pastors, our three churches who love our folks to say, if this is something that you feel like you need to talk about or mm-hmm. that you feel shame about, please come talk to us. We're not here mm-hmm. to judge. Yeah. We're not here to make you feel guilty. We've all have some sort of experience with this in our personal lives. Yeah. Um, to whatever degree. And it's okay to come to your pastor about it. Yeah. So I think that might be the one thing we can do is to say, it's okay. Yeah. Come tell us. And this is especially where when we talk about shame, right? I mean, that that alone, is, whether it, you're a kid not talking to your parents or your parishioner not talking to your pastor, I mean... You, that's the we we all probably know what it feels like to sit down and have to, and feel shame when you either admit you were wrong or have to apologize to somebody. I mean, um, that uncomfortability, right? That people will avoid at all costs, oh, right? Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a really good point, right? Yeah, and, and I would I I would echo, just in we need. As, as pastors to make ourselves as available as we can for those conversations. Maybe not, hey, 
I have a week and it has 168 hours. Uh, I'm giving you all a hundred of them to talk to me about porn. Uh, but what that may mean is like making sure that we are trying to be so like for me, if, if any of my people listen to this or if anybody in the Lewisburg area, um, or through the internet, we, we all have connections, uh, just know that there are people who are wanting not to talk about porn, but who are here to talk about all that life has. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're feeling that, if you're feeling a weight, one of the things that we're here for is at least, you know, for me, it comes back to, I think it's Galatians chapter six, bear one another's burdens, mm-hmm. thus fulfills the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. We are here to bear a burden with one another, with one another. And that's the whole call of hopefully all of Christianity is that we're here to bear one another's burdens. We as pastors are put in the particularly gifted role that we're, that's our job, mm-hmm. uh, is to be somebody that you can find us here uh, to talk about this and to be there. And so, yeah, feel free to come, talk to us in any in any matter. But also, my charge to pastors or other church leaders who would hear this is talk about it. Um, if you have a pulpit, use your pulpit. If you have a, a voice, use your voice. Uh, thanks to JT for using his podcast to talk about this so that we can get a little bit more traction of just talking about sexual ethics and sexuality and, and what that looks like in our world. Cause too often we hide it. Yeah. I was going to say that. Um, and I think that may get at what the fear is in a lot of religious leader. And they think mm-hmm. in, um, by normalizing the conversation, you're normalizing the choice. The, the cho- yeah, you're no- yeah, yeah, you're normalizing the um, the production of um, hegemonic, masculine, dominated porn or something. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, and, and I and I think we probably all agree that's not not the case, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, as, as looking at it from having been a pastor for a few years, right? I mean, that that seems to me something that I think uh, a confusion that people could make in, in their fear of approaching this. You were going to say something, uh, Yeah, and I, th- I think another piece of this is if anybody's listening to hear at least three of us say, we don't have a ton of answers about this. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear from the conversation. Um, I have all of them, actually. I just... Okay, I didn't, GG has all the I answers. wanted to... That's make, right. I just didn't want to... It tracks, yeah. You know, and, and in coming to us, I, I, if anyone does, and whether it's this or whether it's other issues... I don't know how many like really clear answers we have about anything mm-hmm. other than Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. As I've said before, it's the most foundational theology I know. Yep. And that's the starting point for everything. Yep. From there, you know, we are learning and growing along with you. I do think there is a segment of the clergy population who knows how they feel about this. Mm-hmm. And for them, if they're comfortable in that, great. Yeah. I don't know that the three of us are in that particular group. About this and a lot of other issues. Yeah. Um, so please hear us say, and I'm, I'm comfortable speaking for the three of us, we don't have the answers on this issue. Maybe on others. Yes, amen. But not on this issue. <laughs> yeah. I did it. I spoke for you. Yeah. Men do it for me all the time. Ladies so flamed all over. I Oh, I like yeah. that. Yeah, ladies flamed. Nice. Hashtag ladies flamed. I'll ladies take it. I'll use good. it. Hashtag Pastor Jillian ladies flamed. Oh, yeah. I yeah. will use it constantly. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else good comes out of this podcast, at least you got I mean, that hashtag. hashtag. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Find her on all social media platforms. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for the conversation. I know this was, uh, you know, a particularly. Stop touching the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I know this was a, a different type of setting without any notes or questions or anything, but I, I appreciate you guys coming on and, and oh, talking. This is fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, uh, all right, guys. It's always good to be with you. Uh, be sure to check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And uh, until we meet again, just make sure you're going out and loving people. See you guys later.